You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. But I just hold the reins back until I seek counsel from the Lord. Look what happened to them when they didn't seek the Lord's counsel. This is all I'm saying. We need to seek the counsel of the Lord. It's an Achilles heel to the victorious Christian. If you don't seek the counsel of the Lord, you end up involved in something that you shouldn't be involved in. And then you don't see the fruit or trouble happens. And the first thing out of your mouth is, how did I get here? How did this happen? Don't water down the path of your life by taking part in every little thing. Instead, seek out Jesus' will for you and pursue that alone. Pastor Dave teaches you today that Jesus has a purpose for you. He'll make that purpose clear if you place your life in His hands. Allow Him to be your center and to move His will through you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 9. As he continues his message, They sought not the counsel of God. times we fall for the deception and that's where we're going now let's look at three through six but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai they worked craftily and pretended to be ambassadors and they took old sacks on their donkeys old wineskins torn and mended old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him of the men of the Israel, we have come from a far country. Now therefore, make a covenant with us. The new scheme Satan comes up with. The old alliance. Let's make an alliance. Let's make an alliance with the world. I call it compromise. Let's make a compromise with the world. Look at the words used here. Look at the words used to describe the scheme. Sly and clever, craftily. Pretender. We know that Satan is a counterfeiter. Satan is a counterfeiter. We studied Revelations. We know that there will be a counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist. We know that Satan is the master of counterfeit. He pretends to be something that he's not. He's a deceiver and he shows false evidence. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 is simply, they lie. They simply lie. Who's the father of all lies? Say, they simply lie. To be a victorious Christian, you must be aware of Satan's tactics. And if you read here, I feel like I'm reading Genesis' account of the garden. I feel like I'm reading the Genesis' account of the garden when the serpent came to Eve. Craftily, sly, Has God really said you can't eat? Uh, You know, it's the same thing. Pretending to be an angel of light when he's an angel of darkness. It's the same thing. And look at verses 7 through 13 now. Here's the lie of the Gibeonites. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you? Where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come. 
because the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. Let's stop there. Back in verse 3 it says, But when the inhabitants of Gideon heard what they had done in Jericho and Ai. Why didn't they say that? It's all part of the deception. It's all part of the plan, folks. Think about it. If they said, oh, we heard about you, what you did in Ai and Jericho, Joshua's no dummy. He said, well, how could you have heard about that? You must be very close because news those days didn't travel that fast. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have all that other kind. It takes a while for news to get there. So they cleverly said, we heard about what you did in Egypt. We heard about what your God did in Egypt. So it makes it seem like they're really far away. Verse 10, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, Shion, the king of Heshbon, and the king of Bashan, who was Astaroth. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, say, take provisions with you for the journey and go meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But look, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins which were filled were new, and they were torn. And these old garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. (laughs) Great lie. They're lying. They're lying in the name of the Lord. It's blasphemy. You know, unlike the people of Rahab's house who came to the Lord through faith, these guys are coming by a lie. They're pretending to be something they're not. They didn't mention the two victories of Jericho and Ai because they didn't come from that far. They wanted them to think that they had come from a long way. This shows us another side of Satan, that he can use religious lies to give the impression that people are really and truly seeking the Lord when indeed they are not. We've all been duped. We've all been fooled by those type of people who tell you they're seeking the Lord, who, who say the right words, who, who tell you the right stories, who have a talk that's Christianese. Brother, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, they say all the right words, but their heart is far from the Lord until you get to know them and all of a sudden, they want something. It usually finds out. One commentator that I was reading, I love this, said that there are two kinds of people, seekers and sneakers. (laughs) I like that. I like that. They try to get into a relationship with the church because they want something out of it. But we're not to make alliances with the world. We're not to make alliances with the world. In fact, you don't have to go there. I'll turn for you. In the wonderful letter of James, James 4, verse 4, he says, Adulterers and adulteresses, you do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. Those are strong words. And you know, The Apostle John had some things to say about the world also. In his first epistle, in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, he says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I love that. I love that we're not to look to the world. God's word. They knew God's word. They were commanded not to make alliances. They were commanded not to make alliances, especially with those people in the land. Now, they were allowed to make alliances with people who were very far off, so this became tricky for them. This, This started to become tricky for them. 
So we see in verse 14 and 15 back in Joshua that the lie works. There's success with the lie, but we find out why it works. Now this is important, and it's why I named the study what I named it. This might be the most important passage in all these 27 verses. Verse 14 says, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. As powerful and as clever as the Gibeonites were in this deception, the real problem, I just got finished telling you how great of a leader I thought Joshua was, but again, he was a mere man, he was fallible, he makes this grave mistake, and then he brings the leaders in, they did not seek counsel of the Lord. It is so important. They went by sight, not by faith. They went by sight, not by faith. They looked at the bread. Look at this bread. It's hard, crusty, it's old. It must have been traveling a long time. One commentator said they took the scientific approach instead of the spiritual approach. See, we're spiritual. The victorious Christian is a spiritual being. To us, everything is spiritual. And we need to look at it that way. But I don't want to be one who doesn't seek the counsel of the Lord for the church that I happen to be pastor of. I don't want us to get us... To, we can, there, believe me, there's a ton of things we can get involved in. There's a ton of them out there. But I don't want us just spinning our wheels. I don't want us just to be involved to be involved. And I'm not trying to put down any of these things that are happening. Please, you're not hearing that from me. What I'm saying is, I want us to be involved when the Lord says, this is where I want you. Move this way. Invest your money here. Do this. this is, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I don't jump at all the hoops and all the different things that come my way. I don't do that. And there are a lot of reasons for it. I'm not trying to hurt feelings. I'm certainly not, not, not trying to be uppity or snobby. We'll get involved. When the Lord says go, we're going. We'll be involved head over heels. We're involved. But I just hold the reins back until I seek counsel from the Lord. Look what happened to them when they didn't seek the Lord's counsel. This is all I'm saying. We need to seek the counsel of the Lord. It's an Achilles heel to the victorious Christian if you don't seek the counsel of the Lord. You end up involved in something that you shouldn't be involved in, and then you don't see the fruit, or trouble happens, and the first thing out of your mouth is, how did I get here? How did this happen? We'll go back to you didn't seek counsel of the Lord. And it's extremely important that we do this as a group. They were walking by sight and not by faith. And I bring you back to a lot of scriptures a lot of times because they're the ones that tell the story. They're the ones that give us the information. Paul writing to the Corinthian church for a second time in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians verse 4. Excuse me, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says in 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We are eternal spiritual creatures. We must always have our eyes on the spiritual. We all must be looking through those spiritual eyes. 
I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus said in John 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. If you're born again, you have spiritual eyes. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And you can see things in a spiritual light. You have discernment, spiritual discernment. This is what a victorious Christian does. He relies on that spiritual discernment that's in him. The one that says, don't get involved in that. Why? Because you're seeking him. You're seeking the Lord and you're open to with your ears. The will of God that's good comes from the heart of God. We find that in Psalm 33, 11. And he delights to make his will known to his children. God wants to make his will known to you. So many of you come to me from time and time again. I don't know the Lord's will. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, we have the spirit. We need to sit before him and we need to ask. We need to ask. And then we need to read his word and we need to think, what does the Lord want for us to do? This becomes our principle for our Christian life. God sees your heart. God looks right into your heart right now. He knows if your service for him is bogus or not. He knows if you want to serve him from a pure heart or if you want to serve him to get a pat on the back. Or if you want to serve him to be well-known and well-liked. If you're serving him to be well-known and well-liked, well, guess what, folks? That's your reward. There'll be no other rewards. That pat on the back, that attaboy, everybody likes you because you're that way, that's your reward. Don't expect anything else. God wants you to serve him from a pure heart, a heart that's open to him and serve him. And that takes humbling. You have to humble yourself before the mighty Lord and allow him to lift you up, allow him to raise you up. That's what he's asking us here. They didn't follow Solomon's proverb. Of course, this is long before Solomon even wrote the proverb, but they didn't follow the proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all ways and what? He will direct your paths. That's what they didn't do. They didn't do that and they got in trouble. The results of not seeking the Lord's counsel can be very, very horrible. Neglecting prayer suggests pride. Neglecting prayer suggests a prideful person. It neglects a person who is full of pride. I don't need prayer. What am I going to pray for? Why should I pray and ask the Lord to direct me? I'm not going to do that. It can be fatal. When we make alliances in the world, it could be the end of a church. So many churches have joined with the world. There's so many things out there. All these different programs that, oh, let's make this. I can't tell you how many letters I get every day in my mailbox telling me how to make my congregation grow. How to get more money for the church. How to do this. How to do that. Well, I know how to do it. You teach the word of God. That's it. It's as simple as it gets. I don't need a self-help person to come and tell me. So many people want to help out. Well, you can do that. No, I can't. We don't operate that way. Cannot neglect our prayer time. That's why we came back to prayer on Sunday night. That's why we went back to prayer on Sunday night. I was so convicted that we hadn't been praying on Sunday nights like we were in the past. I had to get back to prayer. I was neglecting the word. I was neglecting prayer. And as a leader of the church, I needed to get us back to prayer. And I don't care if there's three people here or no people. We're going to come here and pray on Sunday nights. Because that's where the strength is. Look what happened to these guys when they forgot to pray, when they didn't seek the counsel of the Lord. Joshua leads these guys. It's almost like he's leading them into sin. He's he's leading them into disobeying God. They make peace with the people 
and the deception is, is, is discovered in verses 16 through 20. And then it happened at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. And then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Cherpath, Baroth, and kirjath Jerum. But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath we have sworn to them. Well, finally, they make a good move. Finally, they make a good move. Even though they're deceived, the rulers knew that they could not attack them because they had sworn to God. They had sworn to God not to attack them. They had to keep their oath even if it was a bad oath. The rulers were wise, because what would happen? One sin would be followed by another sin. To coin an old phrase, two wrongs don't make a right. How many of us get caught up in a sin only to try to cover it or mess with it with another sin? And then all of a sudden, what started out as a little snowball becomes this giant monster rolling down the hill after you. Because you're trying to cover it up with all this other stuff. Well, praise God, they didn't do that. Praise God, they knew better than to do that. How often do we do that? But later, in 2 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 9, we find out that King Saul breaks his vow to the Gibeonites. And woe, the famine that's brought upon Israel because of that, because he goes against that oath. So the final verses of 21 through 27, let's read them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying we are from a very far from you when you dwell near to us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses, to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because you have done this thing. And now, here we are in your hands to do with us as it seems good and right to do with us. So he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation, the altar of the Lord, in the place which he would choose even to this day. Interesting. We're in your hands. We give ourselves to you. We did wrong. Yeah, we did. We lied. Yes, we did. But we were afraid. You're going to kill us. Your God told you to kill everybody. We were afraid. So we came and we lied. What's our punishment? We accept it. They made them slaves. But guess what? They made them slaves in the tabernacle. In the tabernacle of God. They made them slaves. They're cutting wood and getting the furnaces ready for the burnt offerings and all that kind of stuff. So what they did was they made them slaves serving the Lord God. Serving the Lord God. Do they feel like David? I'd rather spend a day in your court than a thousand days elsewhere. Well, what do they feel? They're, they're, they're there. Wow. Did they find salvation? Did they find salvation like Rahab? Well, we're not told. Well, we do know they were as close to God as any other person could possibly be at that time. They were closer than any Gentile up until that time. My gosh. Interesting stuff. What happened to them? 
the risk of attacking them. In chapter 10, verse 4, it says, Come up to me and help me that we attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua, with the children of Israel. They were safe. Why? All the other nations, remember all those, the gang, the ites in the, in the beginning of the chapter? They all wanted to come down and pound on Gideon now because they made a pact. So now their eyes were off Israel. They said, we're coming for you. But they were safe. They were safe. They became servants of the tabernacle. Gibeon becomes a priestly city. And the Ark of the Covenant actually stayed there in the days of David and Solomon. You can read about that in 1 Chronicles 16 and 21. One of David's mighty men who he talks about was a Gibeonite. He was a Gibeonite in 1 Chronicles 12. God spoke to Solomon at Gibeon in 1 Kings 3. The Gibeonites were among those who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 3.7 and 7.25. Look what God did with these people, who although they were deceivers and although they were, they were connivers, but they, they came right with God, and then they served God. They began to serve God with a humble heart. They sought the counsel of God. If we leave here with anything today, we need to leave here knowing that we must seek the counsel of God. Individually and collectively, as a church, we must seek the counsel of God. You know the old song. You know the old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That's the story today. That's what God is teaching me, at least through this chapter, that Satan's going to attack. Expect it. It's going to happen. Satan will attack you. He has all kinds of schemes. He has all kinds of ways to attack you. Sometimes he attacks you from the front with great forces. Sometimes he's a deceiver, a liar. And he will, he's a deceiver. We know that in these last days, many will be deceived. Many will be deceived because of they, there's Christ. No, there's Christ. No, there's Christ. We know that that's going to happen. Don't be deceived. Know him. How do I get to know him? Through his word. Through studying his word. Through prayer. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit being born again. The Spirit will lead you into all truth of who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross that day for you, for me, for the entire world, for those that would call upon his name. This is what we need to do. This is, this is ours to do. God wants us to have a victorious life here. There's going to be problems. We're going to have battles. There's going to be battles yet to fight. Individually, and as a church, there's going to be battles yet to fight. The biggest battle I mentioned earlier might be coming in the next couple of days when the Supreme Court makes that ruling. It's a game changer, folks, a game changer. And if we're, as a church, not prayed up, we could get caught unaware. We need to know that. We need to be able to, to stand against the, the ways of the evil one which are coming, and it's coming rapidly at us. We need to seek the counsel of the Lord one to another. You are the book of joshua details the israelites journey into the land promised them by god as well as the various adventures they encountered along the way they met many nations and fought many wars and each one required them to rely on their lord through it all one thing is clear god keeps his promises and protects his people 
This is true in your life today. God is keeping the promises He's made to you. He sent His Son to die on a cross and rescue you from sin. And today, you can live in freedom. You can move forward confidently with Jesus on your side, relying on your Lord to help you fight your battles. We're so glad you joined us today on Assure Hope. As we continue this study, we'd like to hear from you and learn how you heard about Assure Hope. We also want to know how we can be praying for you, so please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Joshua, you'll find all the messages online at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the exciting Old Testament book of Joshua next time. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.